Welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the hockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on Matt Fornatero, who is a founder along with Joe Pavelski of torchpro.com. And we are going to get into that because Jeff has been involved with that as well. But just a little bit about Matt's background. He grew up in Calgary, Alberta. Jeff and I played against him in the USHL uh, where he won a Clark Cup with the Waterloo Blackhawks. He then went on to UNH uh, where he was a 100-point scorer there. Then he went on to play a ton of years in the AHL. He was actually scored over 100 points in his career in the AHL as well. So so uh, really, really well-traveled, good hockey guy, a uh, guy that Jeff and I got into it with, certainly when we played against him, but uh, he's doing some great things now with torchpro.com. Uh, but before we do get over to Matt, let's get on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lovecchio. Vex, what is shaking today? And I didn't know that he scored 100 points in college and in the AHL. That's a yeah. lot of points. That's a like, lot of points. being a snipe in, uh, in the USHL. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Like the funniest part about this whole thing is, you know, as you and I and Matt know, but no one else knows until right now, because I'm about to tell them, we (laughs) get into the Roxbury. They get into the Roxbury. No, we all got on this call. We were like, yeah, we hated you. And Matt Forte was like, I hated you. And I hated you too. But he's like, we're all just saying we hate each other. And we're just laughing about it. We're like, this is why hockey's awesome. This is why hockey's awesome. We hated each other's guts wouldn't have pissed on each other to put out a fire but you know years <laughs> later so true. years later we're like what's up man yeah i respect that i respect that it was pretty cool yeah uh, you know what i love that part of the game and i've said it and i probably said it on this podcast i can't remember but like i kind of needed to be on that edge i needed a little bit of seeing red you know before uh before playing and that was when i was at my best things a lot of guys are at their best so but yeah it was very very fun to have him on you know i had i hadn't talked to him since we were talking trash to each other each other playing in the ushl and i know you you guys hooked up at a wedding uh was it kevin regan's wedding you said yeah and so just uh hilarious just and it's funny too because we just we're talking like we're buddies and we've been buddies forever (laughs) crazy it's crazy man this this hockey world is pretty cool yeah, for sure. What's uh, so uh, again, before we do get to this podcast, I, I like this thing, torchpro.com. So it's a company and, and you're involved with it a little bit. You got some videos on there, uh, but it's, it just seems really cool. It's basically all access finding out why the best hockey players are the best. And uh, Joe Pavelski is a co, I want to say co-founder, maybe co-owner with Matt of this. And it was, uh, I mean, some of the videos on there are, are just unreal and it gives you a window into um, why the best are the best. And that's what we love to talk about on this podcast. We love to educate people and, and bring people onto the podcast who have seen it and lived it. And um, this, this, uh, this website that he's got going that you're involved with, very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about this on the podcast, but like I, I didn't watch enough hockey growing up, never been a big sports watcher, uh, even though I love playing them. You love are playing. a very good golf ball whacker guy. Whacker guy. <laughs> Step right up. But, uh, you know, it, it's never been me, but I've always, because I like playing them, but I was like, I don't want to watch it. I just want to play. 
but I've always loved the behind the scenes stuff. And I think that as I got older and kept going higher and higher in hockey, I felt like there was a lot of hockey players that also loved the behind the scenes stuff because you can learn stuff from anyone who's successful at anything. And you show that behind the scenes, you're going to, you're going to see why are they successful and you can pick up something from everyone you meet, everyone you watch on TV, everyone you follow on Instagram. If you're looking to find what that person brings their best. And this is like the best of the best people where you can steal the best things they're doing. Like, it's genius and it's unbelievably nice for the next generations that want to be at that level or, or strive to be better. It's, it's a free blueprint and it's cool and they're fun to watch, man. I've watched them all on the site, like just done a great job and I'm uh, excited to be on there. They're going to shoot kind of like some vlogs on, on, on what we do in the gym and, and different guys I work with and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is cool. And the best thing is, it's like, <laughs> it's so simple. It's so simple, but so hard. If you want to be great at anything, it's just surround yourself with good people and be the most disciplined person, never take a day off and and work with intention. Like you say, it's, uh, it's such an easy thing to say, but it's such a difficult thing to do on a day to day basis. And it is very cool to see the process. It's almost like getting inside, you know, the, the studio room with a musician or getting inside, uh, uh, I don't know what artists do or where they paint or whatever, but just like getting in with like Van Gogh or something like that, but with, with hockey players and just to, just to learn from them. And it's very high quality video type stuff too. So it's like entertaining and it's not like, you know, shot with a camcorder type stuff. So uh, very, very cool and cool to get him on here to, to talk about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And like I said, I was humbled to be asked uh, to be on there when they were a company, they were a company 39 before. Yeah. Um, Cause with Pavelski and uh they asked me to write uh, a piece like, you know, like one of those, what would I tell, what would you tell your younger selves? Oh yeah. I remember that. And okay. so I wrote, I wrote that for, for company 39 and we just kept in touch and you know, he's always like, I like what you, your message and what you do with the guys and whatever. And so it just kind of turned into them being like, all right, well, we'll get a film guy, film crew to follow you and make this stuff for a couple of times. Logging with facts. Yeah, and if people like it, then they'll, order more or like have pay them to follow me around more. So I hope that anybody listening to this podcast will, uh, you know, at least go check it out, go to torchpro.com and sign up. It's t- free. All the videos are free and, uh, watch my video and let, let me know what you think about it. Cause they'll do more if, if people watch it. And my goal with it is to show people what I do in the gym. Um, you know, the different ways that I feel like people can coach or train athletes, you know, like think about them as a whole, not just like whatever sector you're in uh, and just be there for them. So, um, you know, uh, go to the site, check it out. Let me know what you think. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Before we do do get over to Matt, I do want to mention something. And this is like, this is something that I have had an issue with, and I'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast, but one of the things that I hate when people say is you can't be hard on kids today. I, I hate when people say that because I think that is just absolutely so wrong. Maybe, maybe you define being hard as different than I define being hard. Um, 
I don't see being hard on people as yelling and screaming at them. I just see being hard on people as having very high expectations and then not wavering at all when it comes to holding those people accountable to those expectations. And in the way, in the way that you do it, you can do it. That's just authentically you. And it's funny because I legitimately snapped on my team last night like legitimately snapped on them and I kind of like it (laughs) I got triggered right and it's it's funny because um it doesn't happen often and I kind of recognize that I snapped mid-snap you know sometimes you snap and you don't really realize it and then you realize it and you're like oh crap I'm in one right now (laughs) but we were doing it so my team I love my team I coach an 18u team and it's just a bunch of blue collar kids that work really hard a bunch of great kids from great families Uh, and I think I've talked about this like it's been obviously a tough year with COVID and and these kids and these families have been absolutely incredible all year I've had no issues and so one of the things that our kids do really well is they compete really hard I've never had to really get into them about working hard um, or competing when it comes to like battling stuff where they really lack is they don't bring that same intensity to skill work. They think skill work is a time to, you know, take a breath and, and kind of let it go. It's just kind of skill work. So when we do some passing drills or we do offensive type drills, like the, the level of intensity really, really a lot of times this year has tailed off. And so if you want to be a really good hockey player, you got to think of the offensive skill stuff in the same mindset as you compete. Like you're, you got to be intense about it. Like you have to work hard at it. That's stuff you got to work hard at. And so we did a four D split yesterday and I took the forwards and usually I'm actually with the D and our assistant coach, Kevin, he works with the forwards, but we had uh, a, a guest coach. Let's call it names, Brian Harley out to work with our D yesterday. Uh, he's got kid like he, one of his kids is a, uh, a first round draft pick to, to Dallas and he's coached a ton of kids that have come up through this area. And so he was working with the D and I went with the forwards and um, we were doing drills. We were picking pucks up off the wall and then attacking the net, attacking the triangle and the soft area and things like that. And, and they just, they took a step off the brakes or a, they took their foot off the gas. And I snapped because over the weekend, one of the games that we played, we couldn't execute passing very well. And that's been an issue for us in our practices too. And, and it was like, if you guys don't want to practice hard at the skill stuff, it's not going to translate into the game. It's just not, you can't do it. You can't turn it on and off. Hockey is a game of habits and you just cannot do that. And so I snapped on them and the practice like ended up being fine. It was, you know, I think they were a little bit kind of like, Whoa, because I don't really snap. (laughs) I don't really snap like that. But then today I went and I did some video. I said, this is why I snap. And I went to the video from over the weekend and just lackadaisical passing, uh, getting the puck in front of the net and not bearing down, not being just ready to score um, when we had the opportunity and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and it was like very, very hard. And then I told him when I was walking in here, I said, get your big boy pants on and get some thick skin because this is not this is not going to be a, a positive video session and you'll figure out why as I, as I put the video on. Right. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was a tough video session. Um, I really challenged them really, really challenged them. And we had literally the best practice I think we've had all year after that, especially on the skill stuff. And the first three drills we did were complete battle drills, complete battle drills. And I was like this. And, and then after the battle drills, I was like, rate yourselves one to 10. How'd you battle? 
and they were like, it was like a nine and they were, cause they, they compete, they compete really hard. And then we did a bunch of skill stuff and we did some power play and they were awesome. Bring that intensity, that same intensity to this offensive part of this practice. And they did, and it was awesome. And I was hard on them and I was tough with them and I was honest with them. And it was just so cool to see them like just accept it and come out with fire and it was best practice. So be hard on kids, like challenge them. Don't be easy on them. They can take it. Stop saying they're soft. There are some that are, but for the most part, you just got to find a way to coach them and, and challenge them and help them to raise their bar. Rant wow. over. Wow. That was super inspiring and awesome. Uh, yeah. I love that. I love everything you just said. That was badass, man. Uh, wow. I like, I want to go like play hockey right now. <laughs> it I is agree. though. I mean, I agree. we you don't gotta hold them accountable. You got to hold them accountable and you, but you got to know how to push your buttons. Uh, you know, not, not saying baby them, but like, you, you just got to know how to push your buttons, you know, and in a positive way, but like something, you got to be hard on them. You got to, you got to like, because it's somebody else above you or when they get older or when they have a boss or whatever is going to be that way. And that is one of the biggest things that we talked about. Like, that's literally what I ended my, let's call it a rant on with these guys. I said, Hey, look, if I practice, if I have a job or if I'm an assistant coach and I, I went recruiting and I gave the effort that you guys did <laughs> in, in, uh, or if your parents, if they're at their jobs and they gave the effort that you guys did and they're inconsistent with what they do, um, with their preparation, things like that, like, like I'd get fired. Your parents would get fired. Like, that's the reality. This isn't just a hockey thing that we're talking about right now. This is a life thing that you guys need to understand that when you have a responsibility and you have a job to your employer, you have to bring it. You have to strive and prepare and and do the best that you can do every day, because if not, they can like you're expendable. And so learn this lesson now. Don't learn it when you're 25 and you get fired for the first time because you're not bringing it every day. And that's literally what the last thing we talked about. And, and I think it got through to them. I hope it got through to them. And uh, I, again, like you can be hard on kids, be fair, be honest. Don't be an a-hole and, and sarcastic and demean, but be blatantly honest and, and, you know, if they respect you, they'll respond. This is so funny because I totally forgot about this, that this happened my last session today. Um, and it's something I, I decided that I was going to be way more um, picky about this, this off season is like the boys leaving the gym exactly how they found it. Because like I have everything, everything in that gym, like I have in a certain area for a certain reason for, for like, flow's sake or for usage or how we use it where we use it when we use it, whatever like it's there for a reason and sometimes uh i get i used to get caught up and like i would even like take the weights and put them back for the guys because i just want them to have like such a good workout and be able to focus on the lifts and then i was like well i didn't do that like my coaches didn't do that and then i started to think about like well you know does that like, that doesn't even make sense. Like I tried to do too much for them because there's also like, you, you always put your weights back. Like that's also part of the workout. You know, like think about it. You do that every single day, four five, six days a week for 20, 30 years. Like that's a ton of work going to the rack and bringing it back and going to the rack and bringing it back. Right. I was trying to make the, the experience like too good for them. And t- it wasn't real for like a year or two there. And I was like, sure. 
wow, what am I doing? Like, no. And it's the same thing with allowing the guys to get away with, you know, maybe leaving the gym, not spotless. And I was like, I said to him, I was like, uh, hey, come to your house and take your toilet and leave it there. Do I? No. Well, don't do that in my gym. Put everything back exactly where you found it. And they all laughed. And I'm like, seriously. And they all put it back. And I was like, you know, I have to hold you accountable for the strength coaches that you work with on your junior teams next year or on your college teams next year or on your pro teams. And if I don't hold you accountable, then I'm doing you a disservice and people will think you're and you're not. So it's my job to make sure you put everything away. Same kind of thing. Like, and it's funny that we did that, you know, almost on the same day there. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big thing too. I think, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that when things aren't going well, I always kind of go inside and have introspection. Like I hate when people point fingers and I think the first thing you should do is look inside. And for me, like I, probably let off the gas a little bit with some of that stuff in terms of, of coaching. And I let some things slide that probably I should not have let slide. And so that's one thing that you have to do as a coach. First of all, if you're going to expect people to be consistent and work hard, you have to model that first. Cause if you don't, then they're not. And then you can't get mad at them if they're not working hard, if you're not either. And, uh, and then the second thing is like, you have to be consistent and you have to be fair and it just, like as a coach, you got to do the job. Yeah. I mean, sometimes being a coach is doing the job. No one else wants to do doing the hard stuff, you know, the tough love when it's needed and guiding them because so how many times have parents said to you, get little Johnny to do blank. Cause I tell him to do it. He doesn't listen to me, but you tell him to do it one time and he does it like, we, we are very important figures in these kids' lives, very important. And we care about them, they care about us. And sometimes, you know, we, we've got to do what's right for them and the, their future selves. And it's not fun coming down on them, but you know, you got to hold them accountable, responsible, all that stuff. Yeah. And you got to take accountability as a coach too. Like when we talk about being introspective and that's one thing. Yeah. I told them, I say, Hey, look, I, this is on me too. I, I let my foot off the gas a little bit and, and I shouldn't have, and we suffered for it. So, you know, I snapped a little bit, but I'm, I'm just as much at fault here. So let's get out of this together. And so, yeah, I just be like, don't be soft on people like stop using the excuse. You can't coach kids hard today. It's, I think it's so wrong. You just have to find the right way to do it. You have to do it authentically, but set high standards for them. And then just don't waver, be consistent and be consistent yourself uh, with it. So just a little, little, little rant there. Um, But it was good. It was good learning experience for me uh, for sure. Um, All right. Before we do get over to Matt, let's head over to Matt, but we're going to thank our sponsors here. First sponsor, Gelsticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Go for your weighted training sticks and use the coupon code. <laughs> use the coupon code Think Tank one word, to get a discount on your weighted training sticks. Unbelievable. You're, do, you're doing all of them and keep doing this. I'm loving it. Let's and go. then we're going to thank our training sponsor, Train Heroic. Jeff Lavecchio has some awesome workouts on there. He has a train with me program. He has other programs. He's had over a thousand people, probably even over 1500 people, maybe not, but close around somewhere around there that has been on his app, including myself. And I need to get on there more. Um, 
Um, I, how's that? I'm still there, Perfect. okay? I am loving this. We also need to thank icehockeysystems.com, our drill sponsor, and the drill that we are going to um, we are going to go through today is the two two on one drill. This is one of my favorite drills, two two on ones. So how it works is you have a, you're in a corner, you have a forward that's on the hash marks near the wall, you have a forward in the corner, and then you have a D on the dot. Coach blows a whistle. It's a two on one to the net. The two forwards, they can uh, crisscross and then go to the net. Uh, they can go to the net right away, do whatever they want. Uh, for the D, you can have them do whatever they want to. They can be really aggressive on the puck carrier. They can play it a little bit more passively as a two on one. Uh, whatever you want to do as a coach and how you want to teach it. But you have that first two on one. It's like a really close to the net type two on one from the corner. Right after that, coach blows a whistle and then he puts a puck out uh, in the neutral zone at the dot, one of the face off dots. And the two forwards have to sprint out to get the puck. They cross. The defenseman has to now gap up. And then it's a second two on one that is from the blue line in uh, on the goalie. And they have to use just their side of the ice. They can't go all the way from board to board. So it's kind of like another smaller type area two on one. Um, But it's just two two on ones um, from different places. Two on ones are a huge play in hockey because it's very hard to score. So when you get odd man opportunities, especially two on ones, you have to bear down uh, offensively. And so it's just, just a a small area one. Then you got more of a rush one it happens in about 10 seconds. And uh, I just, I love this drill. I gotta say other two on ones might've been my favorite drill when I played. (laughs) Honestly, I love a two on one. Do you not love a two on one? Because like, you know, it's like a poker game, like coming down and however quick it is. And as you get older, even though you're going faster and faster on the two on one, it seems like it kind of slows down in your head a little bit. And you're just like, okay, like, am I going to sauce it? Am I going to put it to the triangle? Am I going to fake the pass? Am I going to shoot it? Like, I just love two on one. So any drill, it's a two on one coaches, players love these. Yeah. And can I tell you my pet peeve on two on ones? Um, Guys who wait till the very last second to pass back door? No, no. That rarely ever works, but that's not my pet peeve. My pet peeve is when one guy with the puck is coming down, like let's call it the dot line, and then the guy without the puck ends up in this. Oh my God, so many youth hockey players do this and it drives me freaking bananas. So the guy without the puck ends up coming like behind. he, He tries to like, he doesn't go straight kind of dot line to the net. He goes and he puts himself high right in the shot lane of the defenseman. So it's almost like a dry. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, maybe I'm not explaining it yes. very well. No, 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 I know. I know. But it's almost like a drop pass back and so many kids do it. And it drives me insane because they literally are putting themselves right in the shot lane of the D man. And it's the easiest thing ever for the D man to play that because they just put a stick on it or block the shot right there. And so the forwards, like the point of a two on one is to spread out a little bit and make it more difficult for the defenseman and put yourself in the other thing is like, find the lane, put your stick in a lane. That's not in line with the defenseman's feet or the defenseman's stick. Everybody likes to say like, it's the job of the guy with the puck. No, it's not just the guy job of the guy with the puck. It's the guy without the puck. That is very, very important so yeah i just i it drives me freaking bananas so many kids do it where they'll just come behind and be right in the shot lane of the defenseman yeah and you in a game especially as you get older you're just slowing down for that back checker to lift your stick and then yeah you yeah. get no chance but like 100 it, it, as 
somebody who scored a decent amount of goals at whatever levels I played at. Hey, what's up? Like I, I always felt it was my job to get open, not the guy looking to pass it to me. Like I'm as the guy who's going to accept the pass, like looking, okay, like where's the lane, where's the stick, where, where should I show him? I want the puck and find if I had to speed up so I could like open up and be a little bit ahead. So as the pass came through the triangle, it's a perfect one-timer. I don't got a stick handle at all. Like you have to think that way as the guy without the puck, or the other thing is you got to think, grab the D-man stick real quick. So my guy can get a little bit closer to the middle and get a better shot. That's a little bit older guys do that, but you know, that's a smart play too. Yeah. And I love how you said, like, just be ready to shoot too person without the puck how many times in a youth game do you watch and the players just kind of like skating on the two-on-one and they don't if they're on their offside like they don't open up for a one-timer or they're like you know <laughs> pass it to my backhand it's like no 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 that's not like open up or not you don't have to maybe open up and completely face them but you should have your shoulders kind of facing so if you do get that puck you can one-time it um and and if you do have the puck i mean this is the biggest part we're teaching deception is is really really good using your upper body and using your eyes to maybe look at the net and then pass it over or look at the guy that's coming with you and then shooting it you know i i you see that so much you can take <laughs> you can take probably 50 to 75 percent of the nhl clips of two-on-ones and you know, the players are doing that. And so, uh, yeah, just two on ones is, is such a special opportunity during a game and offensively really bearing down on those. Cause you do in today's game, there's, there's fewer opportunities to score. So those are big ones to be able to do it. This is also going to be always practicing two on ones because your goal on the ice is to try and two on one guys as much as you can, you know, five on five is five on five. Like, but your goal is to two on one, a guy anywhere you can over here to get the puck out, get around to the other side, two on one him, two on one him in the corner, try and make it a two on one versus a one on one or a two on two. The more you can do that, you know, you're just practicing like how you think in those situations. Yeah. And the other thing that I really like about this drill too, is it's, it's realistic. Like you see two on ones coming out of the corner, you see two on ones in a smaller area from the blue line in. And a lot of times I watch youth practices and there's two on one drills that go the length of the ice. (laughs) And that's not really realistic. I I love two on one drills where they're small areas. And I especially love two on one drills where there's like a back checker that makes you have to skate a little bit harder to, to do it because how often in a game do you get, so much time where there's no pressure coming from behind that very rarely ever happens. You have to do it pretty quickly. So um, yeah, good two on one drill. Hopefully you can use it in practice. We'll get some video out next week um, of it too. So uh, with that, let's get over to uh, Matt Fornatero, torchpro.com. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you everybody for continuing to listen to us. Uh, We want to send a special thank you also to blue wire, who is the podcast company that we are now under. We just actually had a happy hour with them uh, just the other day. And so got some cool podcast tips and it's going to really allow us to, uh, to, to, to grow. And so if you can continue to give us ratings and reviews and continue sharing us among your groups, uh, we would really appreciate that. You guys are going to love this conversation with Matt Fornatero. So without further ado, here we go with Matt Fornatero. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He is from Calgary, Alberta, but he's living up in New Hampshire right now. Matt Fornatero. Matt, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm pumped to uh, chat with you guys for a little while. 
Uh, it's been a long time in the making, so excited to see where we go with this. <laughs> For sure. And we just had a real good chuckle before we uh, we press record here because the three of us played against each other in junior hockey. And I mean, Jeff and I are cousins, but I think we all had legitimate hatreds for each other uh, as we were playing. All of us kind of played a little bit on that edge, maybe have a little psycho in us and definitely a lot of trash talk and, and stuff going on back and forth. And so it's just so funny to be here now and you're working with Jeff with Torch Pro and now we have you here on the podcast so it's just absolutely hilarious all these years later after just Tom, you know wanting to murder me, you Tom, on the ice and now we're, we're talking it's great Tom, <laughs> I'm gonna even cut you off right there I wouldn't even say I didn't like this guy I hated this guy <laughs> he was my first year junior uh we played them in the I don't know semi semi-finals of the yeah. USHL uh we beat them not a big deal yeah, uh, I was, let's not talk about the playoffs because yeah. they beat us and ended my career. So well, I was basically non-existent in that series anyway. So I was like, all right, I got to do something. I'm the fourth line. I'm an absolute bender. I'm going to go after this skill guy for an And he <laughs> would just, he wouldn't even look at me and I'd try and fight him. You know, I'm not tough. He didn't know that though. And he'd like <laughs> spear me behind the play. I'm like, this guy, yeah. this guy, I hate this guy. And I wind up fighting the biggest guy on their team, six, five monster for my first ever in-game fight and it was because i wanted to fight him and he wouldn't fight me and i just wound up saying <laughs> yes to the monster so who was the but guy i love him you now. remember his name um was it molly dustin no, molly oh God, that, oh no okay not he was a beast guy. he was a monster yeah, no it was. it was um uh his uncle works for espn oh was it saunders saunders, saunders john yeah. saunders six yeah. five monster grown yeah, up big boy Big yeah. boy, he could chuck him. Yeah, definitely had more experience than you did. <laughs> no, I hey, listen, I, I think it's hilarious too. I think it's great. It's one of the reasons the hockey world is the best world ever. But you guys are bang on. Like, I hated both your guts too. Um, you know, I was certainly, um, I was never a tough guy at all, but I love to run my mouth. <laughs> And I love to sort of act as somewhat of a in-between between between our tough guys. And like, you know, so I definitely played on that edge and and tried to get under the skin of of guys. And I think both of you sort of did the same. So we definitely had our battles and our uh, we, we went head to head quite a bit. It's funny to look back on that but I'll tell you what, like, that's what hockey's all about. Like, number one, it's just that competitive drive. Like I was like, if I didn't feel pissed off during a game and I wasn't playing on that edge, I wasn't very good. I had to like have somebody like you piss me off to the point where like, now I'm actually going to play well. It, it's those games, especially in the USHL yep. 60 game season. It's an absolute grind. You get into those games, games where you can't get your blood level going. And, and those are the games you don't really play very well. So like, I, I feel like it almost brings out the best in us. And, totally. and, and also like, God, is that missing from the game today? I, I, I miss, and you know, I recruited for, for five years and, and I wanted to find players that had that little bit of just rat in them, just, you know, like pissing guys off and running around, like, cause I think that's an art. It's such a skill and, and guys make millions of dollars like Brendan Lemieux uh, and, and guys like that from doing that. So I miss that, man. I, I miss the heat of the battle myself, but also like, I miss watching that even more. Yeah, no, I would agree. It's that competitive sort of drive that fueled all of us, right? Like we all wanted to win. We all wanted to score. We all wanted to like say you at the end of the night, like got you tonight, knowing we were going <laughs> to see each other again. 
right? But it's just that drive. And I do think that that's, um, I wouldn't say missing, but it's definitely taken a few steps back yeah. in terms of, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a different um, culture. It's a different, um, you know, it's, they, they just came up a little bit different than we mm-hmm. did. And so uh, I, I miss some of that stuff too. Yeah, and I will say like for like the players out there too, I mean, coaches salivate and scouts salivate for people that play a little bit on that edge because there are much more or much less of that going on and much less of those kinds of players nowadays. So if like you can, you can find a little role in a niche in, in doing something like that. I think that you'll make yourself, I don't know if marketable is the right word as, as a player, but you certainly put yourself on the map. That's actually a great point that like, like Jeff said earlier, like, Oh, Matt was a skill guy. And like, maybe in junior, I would have fallen in that category. I feel like I probably was a skill guy, but I think it's important to point out for like young players is like the ego at my young age kept me in that box. And when I went to college and then went and played pro hockey, I was a skill guy. Right. But I, but I didn't necessarily take that um, little sort of rat call it or whatever you want to that grittiness that I definitely played with in junior and and I didn't take that with me when I played pro I was a skill guy and ultimately whether I played in the NHL or I didn't I don't think depended on that alone but I definitely I felt like put myself sort of in a box even mentally for me, I think some coaches I had in pro saw that I could add value on the penalty kill on the, but I didn't ever accept or have that self-awareness to say, fuck, like I can, it was always binary for me. Well, if I block a shot, I'm not a skill guy. And like, that is so backwards. Like you look at, you know, who I'm sure we'll talk about today, Joe Pavelski, he, he will do it today and he's 37. He doesn't need to block a shot, but he'll dive in front of one and he's still very skilled. So I think like for young players, even if you have all the skill in the world, work on the edges, work on those other things that can be intangible things that when you turn pro are going to matter a lot. So I think that's a good point that you bring up. So true. I had, I had like the, the inverse happened to me my first year in the AHL after my first full year, I missed with a concussion the next year. So like the first 20 games, I was one of the top uh, rookie scorers and uh, went downhill from there for the rest of the season. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the next year they're like, for you to make the jump to the NHL, like try and be Byron bits. Like that's what you need to focus on. Like, if you're going to come up to the NHL, you're going to be a fourth line player. You're going to penalty kill. We need you to just not turn pucks over, throw the body around, get the puck deep, whatever. So I literally was just like, I went so one track minded on that. I didn't have a goal in my first 22 games. And I got traded to the Panthers and went to Rochester where I wound up scoring eight in like the next like 40 or something. Um, and it was literally, cause I was just like, I have to be what they said. I have to be exactly what they said. I don't need to focus on anything else. I get over the red line. I dump the puck in. Like it was yep. so the, like the same thing as you're saying, but the opposite, I put myself in a box and I only focused on that. And I had a laser focus. And I was like, man, I should have been like doing everything, like being a hockey player, not pigeonholing myself. It was so dumb. Yeah. It's, 
it's something that I think as young players, we try to like attach ourselves to one lane rather than try to make yourself as, as good as you possibly can in those uncomfortable areas. Blocking shots was always something that I like hated. I'm not sure anyone loves it, but we all know and every team we played on, there was that guy that was like, this guy just eats pucks. Guess what? That's value add for your team. And not to mention to your point, Topher, coaches will salivate over guys that are willing to do those things that a lot of players aren't. So it's been definitely something I've reflected on since retiring. And I think it just comes with age and some wisdom, but something that I wish I learned early on. And I think that's a good message for the coaches too, because having been behind the bench at the higher levels and now doing it at the youth levels, especially if you're, if your kids that you're coaching have some respect for you, one thing that you have to be mindful of is that kids look at it in a binary way. So if you tell a kid something to do, they will do it every single time, even if the play doesn't call for it. So if you're telling a kid, Hey, I want you to chip pucks in more. And I want you to play a little bit more grittier like that. There might be a play to be made, but they're still going to chip the puck in because they, they want your approval and they want to do the right thing by the coach. And so as a coach, we have to be mindful of like making sure we're making hockey players that are, you know, they, they have different tools and, and they can think the game and they don't just see themselves as one person too. It's a cautionary tale. And I was just talking about this with my assistant coach of my, my midget team yesterday, because like I got into my guys pretty good yesterday. Like it was a pretty lackadaisical practice. And I was like, ah, and, <laughs> and, and, and then what I said for them to do, it was, they did it exactly like that. And then I had to bring them in again and been like, okay, guys, let's actually play hockey here. Not just do this too. Right. (laughs) Right. It's yeah, no, that's, it's a great point. And it is, you don't want to box yourself into something, you know? Um, I think the more elements you can bring it, you just add your value and, and it's going to help you later on. And, totally. and go to the areas that are uncomfortable too. Like I remember in, in my first year pro in Worcester, the assistant coach, Dave Conniff said like, I had played center most of time at UNH. I certainly, you know, we cheated a lot. <laughs> it was just part of how we played. We wanted to play fast. We had the big rink. And so some, some bad habits maybe formed there. But I remember my rookie year in Worcester, he took me aside and said, every day until you get this, I'm rimming slap shots at you. And you're going to learn to stop the puck on the wall and under pressure, chip the puck out because you're terrible at it right now. Right. But it was his approach to how he did it. He didn't berate me in front of everybody. He didn't he came up to me and said, Hey, I want to help you get better at this. Cause then you can help our team get better. And by approaching me in that way, in the way that I sort of thought, um, you know, situational awareness and, and some emotional IQ there, but he really helped me adopt like, okay, I am going to get good at this. I am going to build on this. And, you know, I take credit in the fact that like, I remember the last year of my career being in Austria and like specific little play where like I made a play on the wall, chipped it out. And I was like, holy shit, that's all because of what I did in Worcester. So it's like, I don't know. You just, you have to approach the game um, trying to just add it's success is math. 
no matter what you do, building a business, starting a podcast, it's math. The more you put in, the more you're going to get out. So you got to look at the game and how you're approaching it, how you're trying to gain and add skills the same way. It's almost like give more, be more. A little bit like that. Oh, God, it's so true, though. I mean, just having a diverse skill set. And I feel like the best players and even the best coaches or leaders, you know, in, in life, I feel like they really have a good balance of knowing who they are, like knowing what their core values are and what really makes them them as a player, as a coach, whatever, but also finding ways to kind of add into that so they can be successful in different situations as well, because every level that you go up, you have to add things to your game. Like if you're just a skill guy going from juniors to college, well, maybe there's six skill guys that are more skilled than you. And now you got to add something different to your game. So you get in the lineup and you're not watching every night or at the pro level, you know, that might, there's guys that were hundred point scorers in junior hockey that are playing third, fourth line roles. And then there's guys that were hundred point players in, in juniors in college that are playing in the East coast league because didn't want to adapt and they didn't want to add those things to their game. So it's just a, a really interesting thing. And I think it's really, really important for all kind of coaches and players to understand that there has to be a balance and a diverse skill set is, is something that's huge, but also like knowing who you are as a player yeah. and like knowing your identity too. The, the thing, the thing I would add there too, is you never like arrive at a destination or I should say the best never like it's not like you make it and then you're like cruise control right like joe pavelski at 32 years old got very specific one summer because he felt like he was getting a lot of chances and this is how intricate he thinks the game but he felt like during that year before he was getting a lot of chances where like the puck would come to him and he would have to spin to get it on net But like he didn't, his body didn't feel comfortable. So he never really got shots off. And he said, if I can work on this spin move, both forehand and backhand, I feel like I can maybe score more goals. I'm getting in tight, but I need, long story short, he like focused on that minute detail, like over a whole summer, the next year he scored the, he scored more goals than he had previously in his entire career. And if you look at the goals, there's like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 of them directly a spin, move shelf, spin, move shelf. So it's like, you, you never arrive. You're always constantly trying to add. And, and so that's like, um, super important as you're progressing through the, through the ranks and up through the, <clears throat> through the game. That's, that's unreal. Well, let's talk about Joe Pavelski for a second. Cause it kind of weaves it. We're kind of going all over the place, but that's okay. I love it. Um, like he was your junior teammate in Waterloo and I remember playing against you guys again, Epic game five, uh, series against the Chicago steel. My last game of juniors, you guys beat us. So thanks for that on your way to the, uh, the Clark cup finals championship. Uh, I'm over it. Totally over it. Um, but you know, Pavelski's a guy, I, I actually talk about him all the time and I, I do a lot of team building stuff and he's somebody that I bring up. And, and the reason why is I remember playing against him and he couldn't skate. 
Like he was just a terrible skater and, but he kept scoring all these goals. So he's kind of like somebody you keep track of. Right. And I remember uh, I played on a line with him actually at the USHL all-star game that year. And I remember after that game, I was like, this guy is going places. He was just so smart. Like literally every time I was open, the puck was on my stick before I even knew and I was ready. Or if I was getting cornered into a corner or something like that, and, and I thought I was going to have to turn the puck over, like there was Joe Pavelski in the right spot for me to, to pass him the puck. That, like, the hockey sense was there, but the, the biggest thing that I remember was at the All-Star game, they kind of make it this big you know, celebration kind of stuff. And it was in Lincoln, which is the coolest place to play and all that. And so we did a pregame skate and everything. And I just remember him working on his skating at that pregame skate. And so like everybody else is an all-star and they thinking they're really good and, and all this kind of stuff. And here's this guy who can't really skate working on his skating and doing stuff, taking the time to, to do that. And I, st- I remember that. And I also remember a couple of the other guys out there kind of being like, Oh, wait a go Johnny, Johnny, go hard, you know, like good for you. And I don't remember those guys' names, but I certainly remember Joe Pavelski's name. And I remember that day and him working when nobody else was. And then I see him now being probably one of the top 10 American born players of all time, 10 to 20, maybe. And yeah. so it just, uh, it's an interesting thing. So talk to us a little bit about Joe Pavelski, cause you guys were teammates and now you're forming this company torch pro together and, and he's a big part of it. So, um, just give us a little bit of insight into him and how you think he's been able to get to where he's gotten to now. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I first met Joe. I had the, I had very similar first impression. I first met Joe at the summer camp of Waterloo before we were teammates and there was like talk of like this kid from Wisconsin, he scores lots of goals. He just won the national or the, the state championship. Um, and same thing in camp. It's not like he's like buzzing around and you're like, that's, the, I remember thinking that's the guy, that guy, <laughs> that's the guy. I remember thinking that. And about two weeks in, I remember thinking like, this guy is so special. And it was, it's, it's, he's a skilled hockey player, right? Like he's a, he was good hockey player. He, he always has understood like positioning and timing and thinking the game on a level that like not many people do. Like he's actually stupid. Yeah. The head of, and we can dive into some of that visualization stuff that he uses, but like, he's always sort of had those things, but as you mentioned, like physically, you know, there was limitations. He wasn't fast. He wasn't very strong. Um, but he, he always sort of had this like humility mixed with like work ethic that I've, I haven't seen or experienced anything like it. And we've been super close. We were teammates for two years, best friends ever since. Um, And he's just watching what he's been able to do and how he's done it. You know, it's just a testament to somebody that believes wholeheartedly in the process, not in, not in like, you know, the fancy I want it, but like Joe now lives a very great life. He's built a great career. Um, But like, he did that because he did all the little things that guys weren't willing to do. You talked about him practicing on a morning skate at an all-star game. Like I could tell you hundreds of stories where like, if you, even with everything with Joe, he's super competitive. You know, if you're 
chipping with him before you go play golf. Like he's like, Hey, five balls, closest one. Like everything is competitive because I think he just, he thrives in that environment. Um, but more than anything that sticks out for Joe Pavelski is, is, is his ability to focus on the process, not the, not the end goal. Like, you know, I've, I've talked to him numerous times over his career. Maybe the team is on a slide or he hasn't scored in six games. He's the exact same person on the phone when you see him as if he just had, you know, back-to-back hat tricks. He's, he's like, he's, he's right in the middle, not high, not low, you know, and, and that's something in my career I was horrible at. I was like a, it was a yo-yo, you know? And so Joe Pab is pretty special um, player. I think we all know that, but I think his ability to like practice deliberately and focus on the process is the reason why he is where he is. Have you ever asked, asked him specifically, Jesus, I cannot talk. Have you ever asked him specifically why or what or how, what attributed, how did he get to that level where he could just be like, cool as the other side of the pillow or whatever that saying is because that's like you ESPN. There you go. Like you said, like, that's really hard. I mean, Tof was an emotional player. You were, I was, you know, you you get a couple games in a row. You get a couple goals. You're the king. You're the king of the city. You're feeling unbelievable. Then you go on a three game schneid and the world is ending and you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get signed again. So like, do, do you know, have you talked to him? How are you able to stay at that, you know, even keel? Um, I, th- I think, I mean, that's hard for me to answer. I-, I haven't asked him that exact question, but I would say that like a lot of it has to do with like his upbringing, his family, the people that he's always surrounded himself with. Um, you know, his, his family is just such a humble, hardworking, you know, there's a lot to be said about where, you know, he came from and, and the people that sort of laid that foundation for him. Um, you know, just hardworking people that show up and, and do what, do what they're there to do every day. And, and that's sort of Joe's approach to everything that he does, but like, he never practices without a purpose ever. And that goes for his golf game, his ping pong game, his anything like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing always with Joe? Why, why would I do this? Is it helping? How is it helping? right? Like ask great questions, challenges the great people around him, um, seeks out information from smart people and great, you know, um, which has translated into, you know, Joe and I's business ventures and and things like that. He's, he's a very um, honest, straightforward kind of guy that like, you know, he wants to know the why. Right. And, and I think that's important. A lot of us lose sight of that a lot of times and just start chasing shiny objects. Yeah. And knowing the why, and also just like you mentioned trusting the process. I mean, it's funny how simple it is, but it's funny how unbelievably difficult it is to do the same things every day with a purpose to the best of, or trying to be at the best of your ability. It, it sounds so easy and it sounds so mundane but it is the hardest thing to do but the greats all do it 
Mm-hmm. They literally, like I always say, and, and this is part from experience playing with guys that have played in the NHL and part of coaching guys that have gone on to play in the NHL. And I'm sure you guys have an opinion on this too, but I really think that the players that reached their potential were, were predictable. Mm. Like I knew what they were going to do for the first hour before practice. I knew what they were going to do in the last 15 minutes of practice after the coach blew the whistle and the team broke it down. I knew what they were going to do for the hour after practice and it never wavered. They like literally did it every single day. And it sounds so easy, but you know, as you said, like it's so easy to be up and down and up and down and get caught up in the highs and the lows. And when things are going well, Jeff, like you said, being the King and when, you know, going down, like then, Oh, Oh, now I need to start working hard again. And it just, the, the, the players, the men, the women who, who can find that balance and, and have the self-discipline to, do those little things every day. I mean, that's, and I would, I, I'll ask you the question because in torch pro um, and, and you can talk about more about it, but you go behind the scenes with all these really, really high level athletes. Um, is that something that you see when you're going and doing a deep dive into their preparation for becoming a great athlete? Yeah, definitely. I think it is certainly a theme um, with the 1% or the, the great players that you, I would consider every player in the NHL, even the AHL, like anyone, you know, it's, it's the 1%. And I think um, the, the difference there is like, I, I think a lot of people, you know, you hear stories of like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like Yarmir Yager, like they're in the rink at 3am, like working on there. And so I think a lot of people tie like doing so much extra and, and, with success where I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I think like some athletes and people are wired that way and like, they're just nuts and they're crazy. And and that's what has allowed them to get there. But I think like back to my earlier point about like success is math. Like if you're 17 years old and you're working on your offside one timer for 10 minutes every day, right. And you have, 50 practices a year. Like I'm not good at math, but let's say you, you spend 500 minutes that season working on that specific skill, right. In only 10 minutes every day, not four hours once every month, it's 10 minutes every day. And you're going to, by doing it repetitive, like repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. Now your body, your mind, your, your mental sort of frameworks and pathways start connecting right? Like it's so much more mental than it is grinding yourself down for four hours after getting like these crazy lifts in after, cause you're frustrated that you didn't score. It's like breaking it down into, okay, how do I score a hat trick the night before, but still work on it the next morning for 10 minutes, B dash four the night before and still work on it for 10 minutes the next day. Like every day, not, not on Tuesdays, not when you feel good every day. And the ones that make it the great players, you can attribute that skill of like purposeful practice. There's a reason to why they're doing it. And they consistently repeatedly do it. It becomes part of them. It's ingrained in them. Um, So it's definitely a theme that I think you see amongst great athletes. Casey Bellamy is another great example of that. 
on the women's side, you know, just, she's one of the best, like physical athletes I've ever been around in my life. And it's very detailed, very detailed. I watched your videos on your site on torch pro what's up plug and uh plug for torch pro check them out. And like, <laughs> dude, I free. was like, I, it's free. What's up yeah. free. We love yeah. free. And uh, I was like, holy, like, she is a savage. Like, oh, absolute savage. Yeah. Mentally very strong. Um, you know, you, you, you start to add the layers of, like, she's not making millions of dollars, like all these ladies, um, which hopefully we can help change over time. But, like, you start to add the layers of, like, the challenges the women have but the dedication they have to the game and to the sport and like how good they are, it's like, it's crazy. So yeah, Casey's just, um, she's been amazing to work with. She's one of our founding athletes. Um, and we're looking forward to sort of continuing to grow with her. It is pretty amazing with the women, right? I mean, they're training to be these high level athletes, but they're also, it's almost like they're training the world to see themselves as high level athletes. And, and every, yeah. I mean, we've had the Lamaroos on here. We've had Kendall coin Schofield, uh, Nick Hensley, a bunch of these, bunch of these women. It's like, they take on so much, not just as hockey players, the same yeah. as, well, it's not, the, it's the same as you and I and, and Jeff in terms of like trying to be the best hockey players, but very different in the fact that like, we don't need to market ourselves. Right. They do. We don't need to change for the next generation of, of men and they need to do that for the women. And I just, I have so much respect for those women and what they're trying yeah. to do. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, as do I. And it's a big focus of ours at, at Torch Pro to, to really do our part in helping them sort of, you know, tell some of those stories and, and let people know who the, who the humans are behind this movement and, and try and help them push, push that game forward. Yeah, that's unreal. So if you can just give, give our listeners a little bit of an intro into what Torch Pro is and, and how much benefit and value that it can provide to, to people that are looking to, to be, you know, be the best that they can be and reach their potential eventually. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it probably, it probably makes sense to, we were originally company 39, probably makes sense for me to give a quick rundown of sort of how we arrived where we are. Um, Start. I, I played obviously till I was 31, retired, and I had been helping Joe Pavs, Joe Pavelski out um, with his summer hockey camp in Wisconsin. And we started to throw around sort of this concept of like, help, like this camp is so great for these 120 kids in Northern Wisconsin, right? Like they're getting such value from you, Joe, and how you train and mental stuff you use and, and, you know, drills you use off ice stuff. And we started to just think about like, how can we make the information you're sharing and teaching these kids more accessible to more people, you know, so a kid in Florida, a kid in New York, a kid in Calgary can like learn how Joe Pavs operates. And so that was sort of the seed that started everything. Um, you know, around the same time we were starting to really, I personally was really starting to just like dive into, you know, the game of hockey and content and players and social. And th there was a lot there that I just thought, you know, the hockey space is far behind in. And so we started with Joe, we wanted to tell his story because it's very inspirational. It's very motivational, um, you know, was doubted at every level. 
And then, you know, we made some other ancillary pieces of content. We did a drills piece with Joe on the ice talking about drills he uses, um, some off ice training stuff and an ebook on the mental side. And we just started there and we wanted to get that in front of people. And over time, I sort of was helping Joe on social media and our team started to help Joe. And what we had realized was like content and social media for the player side, the pro athlete side was really beneficial for them. And like what we had done with Joe over a couple of years, we could sort of replicate and help other athletes in the same way, sort of expand on their brand, have a, you know, give them the ability to tell some, some of their story and, and how they got to where they are. Um, and so that's when Casey came on board and um, Brandon Yip and Mike Green. And, um, you know, over the last few years, we've been working with athletes to really help them build their personal brands on the, on their sort of side of things to help them give some power to um, athletes have power today. And, and I think our ability to help them sort of structure and plan and optimize that um, is really where we've been focused the last few years, but the, the, in, in parallel terms, we've been building what is now torch pro for the last sort of year and a half. We've filmed a bunch of great, amazing behind the scenes content with a number of, uh, you know, world-class hockey players um, on the women's side, some great trainers. Obviously we've partnered with, with Jeff um, and some of his content. And so we wanted a place where young athletes can go like learn more about the athlete, but also, you know, have some valuable things there that, you know, every, everything from training to drills, to nutrition, to, you know, just how they get through a slump, uh, you know, things that as a young athlete, I would have absolutely loved this kind of access. I didn't know what Peter Forsberg did in the off season or how he ate or what his, a day off looks like for him, or I would have loved that sort of information and access. Um, cause I think it, it, it just would have helped my development. And so torch pro, um, which we launched two and a half weeks ago is the culmination of that. It is a content sort of hub for world-class athletes to, to sort of, build their brands, but share all of those things that help them get to where they are today with that next generation. That's so cool. That's so cool. It's so amazing. Like I'm a huge fan of these like behind the scenes, all access shows. And I learned so much from those shows. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's like, imagine growing up, imagine your favorite player and you guys have some, some amazing players on your platform right now. And imagine just being like, okay, what does this person do to help them be at their best? You know? And, and, and at the same time, like even as a coach, like if I tell my players to do X, Y, and Z, like that's one thing. But yeah. then if Joe Pavelski is saying, this is what I do for X, Y, and Z, it like, how much more powerful is that? Because those person, those people have actually lived it, you know? And so it's just so powerful. It could be such an inspirational, as you said, but also educational thing that can really help so many different people get into scene. And it's also like really good entertainment. Like you get to know Joe Pavelski, who's one of the top American born players of all time, Charlie McAvoy, Casey Bellamy, Casey Bellamy, like all these people just so, so cool. 
Jeff Levecchio. I mean, Jeff Levecchio. I mean, how, how about it? You know, you can get more access to Jeff. Absolutely. I mean, for me, though, too, like anyone who wants to be good at hockey or any, you know, as they grow, I'm sure they're going to come uh, Torch Pro will go to other sports. But like, if you want to be good, look at what the people who are in the places you want to go to, you know, you're young, you want to be in the NHL, Division One, college. All these people have been to all those places, are now in the Mecca in the NHL or the U.S. Women's Olympic team. So why would you not want to watch what they do every day? Like this for me, this is all I would have watched. I, I've talked on this podcast multiple times. I made a mistake when I was growing up not watching enough hockey, but I did absolutely watch every single behind the scenes show in all sports. I loved it because I could pick up on new training drills, new mental things that I, Oh, Michael Jordan used to do this to get him ready for a game. Like I can take that and do that, you know, uh, behind the scenes. What's that all access NFL show. I love that show. You know, like it's a great show. I don't watch, I haven't watched football. I've watched, hard like, knocks. I've, yeah. I've, yeah. Hard knocks. I've watched three NFL games probably in my whole life, but I'll watch every season of hard knocks. Cause I can learn something from that show. Like every minute of the show, I can learn something and then apply that to my life to make me better. And that's why I'm so passionate about torch pro. And I'm telling everyone in my gym, like, this is who you need to be learning from. Like, and I'm not saying, cause I'm on it. What's up. But like these, these unbelievable megastars and people who made it there off, off hard work and intelligence, like just follow what they do. And then it's also super entertaining. Like I can't recommend signing up for the free torch pro enough. Yeah, no, it, I, I really appreciate that. And like, and like I said earlier, like it's, it's the star. We're super proud of sort of what we've accomplished to date in terms of like content and, and, you know, um, working with the athletes we work with. Uh, but, but we did, you know, we, we wanted it to be a free resource for, for people trying to get better and, and a place that, you know, you can be entertained. There's definitely some fun content there, but there's also, you know, performance related stuff. There's some great articles there. Um, so it, it is, um, you know, we're, and we're going to continue to just bring people new content, new athletes, new access. And, and really it's a culmination of, I think where the digital media landscape is and is headed, right? Like athletes have more power than ever. Um, and, and we really feel like torch pro is a great place to like connect pro athletes with young aspiring athletes and, and give them some of that access, um, that just hasn't existed to date. And, and, you know, I will say this too, over time, we're going to be rolling out some really cool things with our athletes, you know, some interactive stuff, some one-on-one -on -one stuff. And so I think, um, you know, it, it's a resource that as a young um, hockey player, I would have absolutely loved and, you know, yeah, encourage anyone to, to check it out. And like you said, it's, it's free to sign up. Um, and so, yeah, we're really happy with where we're at right now. Unreal, man. Everybody go to torchpro.com. It is, it's an awesome site. So much cool content out there on there. And, uh, yeah, you can learn from some, some really, really cool hockey players. Was it hard for you 
did the players who are on there now and started from the beginning, was it hard for you to get them or was it something they were interested in? Because, you know, I've talked to you about this with, about you with this, Matt, we've talked about it on our show. I know Matt Lashoff, who's been on this show. If anybody hasn't listened to that one, that was probably in our first year. That was a phenomenal episode with, with Matt Lashoff. Yeah. And I know he's talked to you about this, about how players, like you said, they have power and like, they can use, they have leverage. Like people want to know what they're doing, what they're into. You know, it's, that's why all these hard knocks behind the scenes, torch pro, why they're a thing. Like I tell my guys all the time, like you don't need to do what I do on social media. I do it as part of my business. So I'm on there all day, but like just posting every now and then or showing people what you like or showing them your personality, it's going to endear you to the fans and who knows what that leads to in your hockey career, as far as making more money for, you know, uh, deals with, you know, a car company or the favorite restaurant you go to. It's also going to set you up for your post hockey career. No matter what we all end up in the beer leagues. doesn't matter how long you play hockey is going to end, you know? So like, how, is it hard for you to get athletes to want to do this? Are they coming to you now? They're seeing the value. Yeah, I think, well, I think there's, there's a lot to sort of unravel there, which I love. Like I th- certainly in the game of hockey. And I've said this often that like the humble gene has held it back. Like it's a great, like the people in hockey are amazing. Right. But we all see the interviews after the game. Like, yeah, we chipped it in. We chipped it out. It was good work for the boys. And then they're gone. Right. And you're just like, okay, great. And so from like now sort of building a startup and in the sort of media marketing digital world, talking with a ton of brands and there's a theme that constantly comes back when hockey is brought up that like, there's no story. We don't know any players. There's no, and it's a byproduct of the environment that we all sort of, and the culture that we all sort of came up. I don't want to stand out team before me, which all of us, I think instinctually believe in, right? Like the team's always more important, but that doesn't mean that I can't be myself and be a brand in an authentic way. Building an authentic brand, just the way you have Jeff is like, It's not about trying to go be something. It's you're already a brand. That's like for everybody that has a social media account of any kind, you're a brand. Like whether you're a stay-at-home mom of three, whether you're an NHL hockey player 16, you're a brand. So the fact that like, oh, I don't want to build, well, it's a misunderstanding. So there's, I guess to answer your first question is like, there's been an uh, edification we've needed to do with a number of players. Um, but we're starting to really see the fruits of that labor. I think the platform now being live gives them the ability, like for a long time, we were talking to athletes about what we're going to have. Now we have it and now they can see it and touch it and experience it. And so, yeah, it's definitely made a big difference. I think it completes our ability to really help the athlete. It's like, hey, listen, we want to know when we work with an athlete, it's never about us telling them, hey, this is what you're going to go be. It's who are you? It's what's your purpose? What, what, and then, and then we break it down from like purpose, performance, person, 
right? Like everyone knows you're an athlete. If you look at your Instagram, which is, this is 95% of NHL hockey players, their Instagram, they post once a month and they post a hockey picture. Everyone, and they have 50,000 followers, 30,000 followers. And they're kind of like, oh, like, this is cool. I got lots of followers, but like, guess what? Your audience doesn't really care. They already know you play for the Ottawa Senators. They already know you play for the Buffalo Sabres. They are you got to tell a story. You got to cultivate your audience. You got to talk to them. Like uh, the, the thought of an NHL player going into their comments is like the most fearful thing you've ever heard of. Right. And it's like, no, 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 you guys don't understand. And so that education part has been big, but at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to help showcase to the world and to more people just how great the people in hockey are and just how many great stories um, there are in the game of hockey. Right. So, um, and I think we're doing that. And I think our platform gives us the ability to now work with far more brands um, and, and do some content that way. So it's definitely exciting. I think um, the winds have started to shift, uh, but we got a long way to go in terms of catching up to some other sports. Are you getting any pushback? from GMs or, or coaches or teams. Cause that's my worry with some of that in the beginning of where this is going. But like, I know that I know Lashoff told me that he talked to somebody at the NHL who's like head of the social media. And they're like, we need more guys like Connor Carrick. We need more guys like Pavelski. Like this game needs to show off the great people it has. And that's the, 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 the humble thinking, like you said, is holding it back. Like, the more fans get invested into players, the more they get invested to teams, the more they get invested to the whole NHL, which then keeps the NHL going, makes the NHL more money. Everybody's happy and we get to play more hockey and it filters on down. So it's like, but, but I'm worried, like, and I think this is where some of my younger players who are pros, they're like, well, I don't want to be that guy. And I'm like, you're not being that guy. Be yourself. If you like hunting, Talk about hunting, put up hunting, like Brad Marchand has. Yeah. If you like eating corn dog, I mean, maybe that's not good because team will see that you're a fatty, but like, you know, whatever you're into, just yeah. put that, just show it. But are yeah. you seeing any pushback? Um, so I think like there are, the, the system is very dated, outdated, antiquated. It's And there's definitely people within the system in very powerful places that maybe don't understand it. And I think the old ideology was it's player or team, right? It's like, no, our team, what digital and social media has done is like it's player and team. The team is nuts if they don't want the player to have a huge brand or a bigger brand or a brand, not even a big brand. I shouldn't even say that a, a, a player's brand that is engaging, that is willing to talk to the fans, that is willing to, right? Like Biz is a good example because he went through what all, what anyone goes through when they're like, I'm going to put myself out there a little bit on social media, right? There's a fear there that I think all of us can feel. I've certainly felt that post-career, started a business, you know, and it's like, how do I share this? How do I talk to people about this? Right. And you learn ways that I'm just a huge nerd. I read, I write a lot. That's what I post about. Right. Like 
again, it's about that authenticity piece, but it's no longer player or team player or league. The league grows, the team grows, the fan base grows, the more that the players brands grow. It's that simple. I think, I think you can say that for the coaches too. Like I would love to see what goes on in the coaches rooms. Like that's why hard knocks and shows like that, the all or nothings on Amazon, I think are so cool is because they showcase and get behind the preparation for what the coaches do. And one guy that I wanted to ask you about, and and I know we've had you on here for a bit, but um, you got the chance to play for John Cooper in Norfolk when he was just kind of starting out in, in pro hockey. And uh, it was interesting, like kind of just looking at the hockey DB stuff and sounded like, or it looked like it was a bit of a gong show in the year before he got there. And then he got there and kind of made it a little bit better and better. So if you can torch pro us here a little bit and, and take us a little bit into what makes John Cooper tick and why you think he uh, is where he is today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one of the best, if not the best, person just person in general at getting the most understanding personalities and getting being able to get the most out of each individual like he was so good at that um you know my that that first year that that coop came in we had tyler johnson was a rookie palat was a rookie richard panic was a rookie Corey conacher was a rookie who won the rookie of the year that year and all of them different personalities, right? Like Coop couldn't come in and like give it to Tyler Johnson. Like he could to say me or a Mike Angelitas who had played 11 years and like, right. And, and Coop was so good at knowing what each individual needed at the right time. Um, he was never a screamer, never a yeller, um, did like, he did some really, really cool. Like one time I remember we were up North. We were playing, we played in Norfolk. Obviously we had our sleeper bus. We, if we were coming up North, we'd play like Manchester, Providence, Worcester, and then 12 hour bus home. Right. Well, one time the bus, we were on our way home. We had a really good weekend. All of a sudden, like we knew we weren't in Norfolk yet, but we had no idea. And we were all just playing cards we pulled up. We were in Atlantic City. Have a night, boys. We're leaving Tuesday morning. <laughs> so, like, there were things like that that just, like, not many people or coaches or, right? And, like, you got to understand, like, John Cooper at that time, his GM is Steve Eiserman, First-year coach in the American League. We had lost, I think, or that was that's what made it even better. We lost all three games that weekend. That's what made it even better. But he understood that like this team is special. There's some really good players here. They need, they don't need, you know, a Herb Brooks tomorrow. They need a little bit of time together to go gel and have some fun. We had uh, Chris Butler on uh, and he told a very similar story about that with uh, Craig Berube when he was playing for Berube in Chicago before he was up with the blues and how, yeah, like they had a really tough start to the season and Butts was like, I think he was the captain Vex. And so Berube brought him in and he's thinking he's going to get, you know, it's Craig Berube and tough guy or whatever. And, and, uh, and, you know, he goes in the office, thinks he's going to get chewed out and Berube's like, I think you guys need to go have a night. 
You know, yeah. like, I think you guys need, like, don't worry about it. We're fine. It's just the beginning of the season. Go gel, like yeah. go, I don't want to say get into trouble, but go get into trouble and yeah. have some fun and, and all that. I just think coaches like that, who know the pulse and who get it and, and think about the, the people and person aspect of it. I mean, it's just amazing. And what you said there too, just knowing how to push the individual buttons too, yeah. um, while also knowing the the whole of the team and what the team needs. Very cool to hear that. The other thing I would add with, with Coop was he's always like, we talked about self-awareness, like he's always remained himself. He didn't try to come in and be like, he literally had like three and a half years of coach or four years of coaching experience when he came, when he got an American league job, head coach job. Right. Like, so he, he didn't come in and try to be like, I know what I'm doing here. He talked to the veterans. He got to know the veterans and how do we typically do, how do things work on a road trip in pro hockey? Like he had a learning curve for that first half of the year. That was probably steeper than any of us have any idea about, but like what I think helped him not only get the buy-in from all the players, which was pretty easy. Cause he was, he was just a great, glue sort of guy was that like he remained himself he didn't try to be someone else he was this is where I came from this is what I believe in this is how we're going to win and over time we all just bought into that and I think his track record obviously speaks for itself um he's a great human being and uh I don't want to give away things but we we we'll have some more insight for people to to look into to John Cooper here in the next uh in the future, I'll say. Ooh, Vex, what do you think? <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Sounds like your prayers, uh, you, what you wanted with behind the scenes coaches. Might be <laughs> this was not planned. This is this is a happy little accident right here. I like it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Matt. Yeah, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. And uh, really enjoyed getting the chance to talk to you here. It's been a long time since we've uh, we played against each other for sure. And uh, it's just hockey world. So cool to be able to do this. And, and, you know, we love bringing good guys on here who are doing some awesome things in the hockey community. And so for everybody that's listening, go to torchpro.com uh, and check it out. I mean, you're going to learn from some amazing, amazing hockey players, men and women. And uh, it's just an awesome resource. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, kudos to you guys. Like, congrats on the success you've had with, with this. I, I've been following along. I listen all the time. Um, you guys have done a great job. And, and it's a very, very valuable resource for the hockey community. So good job on that. Um, love, love spending time with you guys. Happy to do it anytime. All right, man. We'll have to get another wedding dance in sometimes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Someone's got to get married that we both know. So we can- <laughs> We can be, uh, reinvent the dance. I'll be grabbing grandmas and aunts just like <laughs> I did back in 99. Actually, I don't know, whatever year that was. There is not a dance floor that Jeff Lavecchio has not conquered when he's that in there. True. I'll tell you that much. That's <laughs> thanks a lot, buddy. All right, guys. Okay, thanks, fellas. See you.